0: The second scripture that we will be uh, looking at is in Second Peter. And uh, as we looked at the uh, scripture about a, as a man, a city with walls is like a man who lacks self-control with, uh, without walls, this is the answer to that scripture in my mind that God has given me. It says in Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate, and I want you to look very carefully at these words, so that you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Verse five says, for this reason I make Every effort, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self control, to self control perseverance, perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these quali- qualities in increasing measure, for if you they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ I have trouble seeing through the bags under my eyes i'll explain that in a minute the uh let's pray father we thank you for this day lord i thank you for the answers to prayer that we are hearing uh and witnessing father both in in this congregation and our congregation uh in fenton at the alano club father you are just doing uh miracle after miracle and we give you the, the praise and the glory for that father uh i think uh as i said in a meeting a board and leadership meeting yesterday um at the club uh just how far that place has come and it hasn't even quite been a year yet how uh, uh um faithful you are to them as we pray and ask you to help them set up their their leadership and their boards and their stuff and and just fantastic uh, what is happening up there with them, Father. And I, I thank you for that. I give you the praise and honor for that. Father, for the things, the prayers that we are hearing, being answered, the testimonies that are, are being shared. Father, uh, we thank you for that. We give you praise, and we will uh, offer a few more of those in a moment. But Father, this morning as we uh, pray, I want to lift to you um, all the people that are on the list Wednesday night. It's an extensive list. Father, you know those names, you know those needs, and uh, we trust you that as we uh, come together on Wednesday night, and we, we diligently pray over those things. We take time, we, we, we ask you to come and visit us as we sing, as we prepare before we go to prayer, uh, and we come with a serious mission in mind. We believe, Father, in this church and in our faith, in our denomination, Lord, that, that uh, nothing can happen without prayer. So Father, we are so thankful that you've given us that privilege, that access to your throne and to your ear and to your favor, Father. Father, as we pray this morning, I I think of this request that I've been given by uh, Tim and Leslie. Uh, Rory Longstreth is a four-month-old. He's got health problems and uh, we don't know what exactly, but he will be going in to be tested, have testing done. Tim's um, sister has had knee surgery and uh, needs prayer for her recovery. Father, we uh, also lift up um, those affected—I should say devastated—by uh, the hurricane or the earthquake, excuse me, in Guatemala. And I have a request here that's written. out, this is a remote village has very poor people, some homeless, 302 shelters. 201, 100 and the other uh, government controls. No one is uh, unapproved in or out, uh, so there can't be anything gotten in there to uh, prevent uh, theft and violence. A mission group has money to bring in food. Pray for favor with the government to provide meals. Father, we pray for that government. We pray, Lord, for these countries where their uh, government uh, doesn't take care of their people as they have been elected to do. Father, we lift that up and lift those up that have been affected. We, Father, we pray for just the thousands of people who have lost lives and lost loved ones in this earthquake, and, and we pray for those people that are missionaries that are headed in there. We pray for their safety. Father, we pray for uh, favor with the government, and most importantly, we pray for your favor upon them as they go forward. Now, Father, I just pray that you continue to minister to us through the power of your spirit and want to sweet spirit it is in here this morning, Father, and uh, we just thank you for being with us and uh, revealing yourself to us through your words, through our worship, and, uh, Father, just through the, the, the presence of your Holy Spirit here in this place this morning. Lord, I praise and I thank you, and I ask these things all in the name of the one who saved us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Children are dismissed to uh, junior church. I have a couple of uh, quick announcements. A little, um, Well, first, <laughs> I don't know what I got stung by. Last night I was out spraying weeds and uh, um, the deer fly were about to carry me out on the backyard, but Somewhere, and I was just swatting him. I was indiscriminately swatting whatever lid on me. I don't know, this might have been a bee, and I'm allergic to bees, so that's why I look like this this morning. And it's a pleasure trying to read when your face is down, and all you see is red bags. So, um, other things, I had it wrote down, I don't know what I did with it. Uh, Pray for, we have some upcoming things I'd like you to pray for our VBS, of course. Continue to pray for that. I was in a leadership meeting with uh, the board. And uh, the membership yesterday at the club. And uh, they're excited about doing another harvest dinner. We're going to do that November 11th. We're going to have a pig roast and just go up there and we'll have a speaker. We'll do the, we'd like to make it an annual event. So uh, uh, go up there and uh, I kind of got in mind who I want to speak. I have to see if I can talk her into it. Uh, maybe we'll have a female this, this year for uh, a little uh, equal opportunity. So she's got quite a story. She's, um, so pray for that. That will be on. Uh, november 11th i'll have to remind me to tell everybody because we made that decision yesterday Um, also trunk or treat is coming up they're excited about that tracy they uh they're waiting for you and nikki to tell them what we're doing so with the trunk or treat and how that because they kind of your name come up and i said yeah, she will be glad to call in (laughs) thank you you're welcome (laughs) i said we'll figure it out now Another thing that I wanted to mention before she sits down or hurts somebody in the congregation. (laughs) She's not hearing me yet. You You, Are you? (laughs) I should have known. But a couple things. Today is Dawn's birthday. Should we all say happy birthday? (laughs) Uh, More importantly, though, um, if Dawn and... Don would stand up. This is the first time we've had Mr. and Mrs. Scholes in our uh, church together. You can sit. Well, hold on, Don. you got to stand up. See that shirt, huh? <laughs> I like that thing. I was in the store a few years ago trying to buy a shirt like that, Don. I was picking them out. My nieces caught me in there. I think it was Maddie and uh, Amber. They were together. And they're like, Uncle Tony, what are you doing? Uh, and I'm like, you can't wear that on. They call it an intervention. I says, so I applaud you, Darn, because I love that shirt. I would, I just got to sneak around to get them because, um, anyways, uh, how about a testimony? You got a microphone? Yes, you do. I know Gay has a testimony. She wanted to share last week, and she saved it because we got kind of long. But uh, uh, if you would, you got to stand up. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, I wanted to uh, testify to the effectiveness of the Wednesday night prayer group. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been doing this, obviously, since before I was a member here. Anyway, um, I have a granddaughter who lives in Indiana. And she has a master's degree in writing. She's a graduate of Spring Arbor. And she'd had a job. And she'd lost it for one reason or another. And she was looking for another job. We kind of had her often on the prayer list during the late fall and winter. Then uh, probably about February, she was very intense. She'd heard about a new job that she was really interested in having, and she had a job interview coming up. So we put it back on the prayer list, and we began to pray for it. She had the job interview, and she was one of three potential people and she wanted us to pray, so we prayed again. Well, I think it was two weeks ago, Wednesday, we prayed again, she got the job on Thursday. So praise God. Those Wednesday night prayers are answered. I would encourage as many people as possible, come Wednesday night and pray. It's very effective.
0: God bless you. Anybody else want to share a testimony? Testimony, praises, whatever you want to call it, we can do it.
1: Um, I have one great grandchild and prayed and prayed that these kids would get busy and give us some grandchildren. And they were kind of slow. However, Jojo let us know that she's having twins. Amen. Then I, yes, then I found out a grandson is having a baby and that the other couple is, my other grandchild, is trying. So by, I have one great grandchild, by next year I could have five. (laughs) And I say that is a blessing.
0: I'm just not sure how romantic it is to have grandma tell you that you need to get it on so we can have some kids. Let's go. It seems to be working though, right? So.
1: When Dawn had her wedding, I came out, and I was heading toward the hall. And a man came up to me, and he says, I don't know how to get there. I said, you follow me, and we'll get there. And he says, I like the church in everything. Well, I was eating, and God told me to give him a card. Before he came over, he says, thank you. You never know what you can do. Even with kids.
0: Even with right.
1: I have, I have one. Amen. His grandson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we look a lot alike, so. I think I get my height from you, so. I'll share one more before I go. You can sit down, Mitchell, if you'd like, or you can stand up if you like, whatever, you can. Yeah, I'd like that, actually, to see that, you know. Um, the river dance, can you do that? That No. <laughs> I bet you could do the worm. Was that the worm? The, what is that one? Um, I had lunch with Superintendent uh, Button Friday, and uh, this is just another, it's a praise for all of us and what God is doing in our, our church. He comes down uh, to Vic Canvers to get his car service for the conference car, and I always pick him up, and he takes me out to lunch. So. It's um, And we talk and he, he wanted to, uh, uh, he just always asked me, he calls me probably every couple, three weeks and asks for good news. And I asked him yesterday, I said, is that when you're having a bad week, you call? And he said, a lot of times, yeah. And he said, I'm dealing with a lot of stuff. So he said, I always get a good report out of you and what your church is doing. So uh, I took him around to, uh, we went through uh, the Fitton building and um, the benchmark up there. And then we come down here and looked at the sign and, and we had a lot of uh, discussion over how things are going, and uh, he just is uh, ecstatic. He just, he, he just told me how proud he is of our church and uh, how far we've come and what we're doing and, and um, some of the things, uh, uh, you know, I told him, and he's, uh, I said, it's, if you meet me, and, well, he knows me, and if you meet our leader up there, Bob, I said, you look at us two together and you realize it's all God because these two couldn't figure this out on their own, and uh, it's, and we don't try to take any credit for that. But um, it, it's it's just it's cool because I also have uh, I have this week I've had another pastor call to see how we went about uh, doing the DBA and those type of things. Uh, uh, the conference office is asking us questions about you know how would you guys do this, where's the, the ups and downs of it, so. So it's uh, pretty, I told you when we started this thing, it was kind of a prototype, and uh, it is. And it's working out very well. And uh, we're in this all together. This is not me and boards or leadership. This is God using us and you guys doing the ministry. So give yourselves a hand for that. <clears throat> it's pretty cool, though. He, uh, he did remind me, uh, he said, well, I call you, he said, um, I always call you for the good news, and he says, it's, how would he say, when he calls me, the first time I met him over the phone, I, I hadn't met him yet, he called me and he wanted to meet me when he took over the superintendency, this is how far I've come with super, uh, Red. He, um, I didn't know him in the conference very well where he's at, but he calls me up the very first time, and he says, hey, Pastor Tony, we need to get together soon, um, I'd like to talk to you about your future. And uh I, later on, I told him, uh, uh, as I got to know him, and we get along pretty well, um, I would consider him not only my superintendent, but a friend. And I, I told him one day, I'm like, you know, Brad, uh, if you're looking to intimidate people, that's a good way to do that. But if not, I said, this, it, it, that comes across kind of intimidating when a little unsettling. So he still laughs about that. Uh, today, we're talking about the topic of self-control. Last week, um, we had Ty Spike in here uh, talking to us and sharing his testimony. Um, Oh, one other quick thing that I wanted to say. uh, uh, Tonight, um, this is kind of cool. We, in our Bible study, I wanted the young man, Tommy, the man you heard last year speak at uh, Harvest Dinner. I think they call it Harvest Fest up there. When we ate the pig. Anyways... He said there's a Crowder's, David Crowder, you know, the musician is over at the Davisburg Fair, and I think it's a free concert, and he was getting some people together, and I said, well, I don't I grab the church van, and we'll all go together in the church van. And he, they're like, well, that sounds pretty cool. So we're meeting up there at 5.30 if you want to go. Um, be there at 5.30. So uh, I say that and tell you that it's a free concert, from what I'm told, at least I hope so, because uh, that's what they told me. But um, it was not long ago in Wednesday night, maybe three or four weeks ago, that we began to pray for other avenues to come together with our, our sister church and um, the, uh, the merging of the two groups, the Alano Club and, and the, uh, uh, us as a church family. And three weeks later, God has begun to do that. So that's pretty cool. So that's my testimony. Hold on, I guess if I can aggravate this a little more and maybe it'll just swell shut. That's better than the last time I got stung by bees. Anyways, we were talking about self-control and uh, oftentimes when we have a speaker such as Ty or go to an open talk, much of what happens uh, in their group or... I would have to say, in essence, the first thing we have to understand uh, at the Illinois Club and in our lives as addicts or alcoholics um, is the fact that we are powerless over the the drug or the alcohol. That's easy for us that are addicted to understand and to to recognize our powerlessness. We can see by the wake of destruction left behind us and the chaos, uh, the madness is what we call it in the program, that we're still out in the madness. Uh, sometimes for us, uh, quote-unquote normal people, that is uh, a little harder to define that we're uh, lacking self-control. And uh, it doesn't necessarily manifest itself in appearances in court or uh, losses of licenses, marriages, so forth, jobs. You know, sometimes it's a, a much more uh, subtle approach to getting us off the path. And as I, as I prayed and I, I meditated about how to share this with us uh, this morning, uh, to talk about this. God laid on my heart that we, we generally think of self con- self-control when we talk about it in this context. We're talking about a loss of self-control. Things are out of control in our life. Our, our, we've lost the ability to manage our lives um, Uh, it, you know, we have to admit in the program that we're, uh, powerless over alcohol or the drug and our lives have become unmanageable. It's a lot of times for us in the church, because I fit both sides of this, uh, our lives don't seem that unmanageable. But when we stop to think about it in the context of what God is calling us to do and live our lives, if we are a born again Christian, uh, one of God's people, and we look at that, um, Oftentimes, our, our lives are more out of control than what we think, and the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate that in our heart and mind. The second thing that, that God laid on my heart is the fact that when we talk about the, the self-control, we speak about a loss of, as I just said. As I talked on Wednesday night, I go over what I'm going to preach on Wednesday night on, for the following Sunday, and self-control... Also, as God put it um, in my heart, it's not just what we are refraining from, but it's what we are being called to do. Self-control, to, to be self-controlled, to be vigilant, to be uh, effective in what we um, read this morning in, in Peter, the uh, second epistle of Peter, where it gets down to, uh, uh, the, towards the tail end of that passage. In verse 8, it says, they will keep you from being these qualities, these promises of God. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. When I see some of these words in here and some of the, the way that they're being directed towards us, um, I think we often, as Christians, think that it's a, it, it is a, a suggestion by God that we be productive and effective in our lives for Christ. I don't, well, I can tell you for certain, God doesn't usually suggest things. He brings them in forms of a command. He might draw you with the Holy Spirit before you're saved, suggest that you need a Savior in your life and those type of things. But when you come to a, 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 a fruition or a knowledge of Christ through salvation, um, there becomes a point where he, he is... Um, calling you to be obedient or as we talked about in our study cooperate with him and uh, we talked Thursday night at first we had a discussion in our Bible study about the word cooperating with God and because I'm used to the obedient the just straightforward for some of us outside of the church cooperation with what God is trying to do that's actually as I prayed over that and meditated over that that's a pretty good definition that was a good one John I take I told you I'd preach It is cooperating when God steps into our lives and we ask him to become our savior, he begins to to call us to do things. And part of being self-controlled is being willing to move forward in what God is calling us to do. I think of it a lot as working out, staying in shape. Obviously, you can see that I'm very attuned to that and I do a good job of uh, exercising, working out, the, uh, hey, that ice cream gets really hard when it's in the freezer too long. So you got to work at it to get it out of there. The, uh, but I, I, if we do desire to get in shape, or those that I do see that run and jog and, and, and eat right and do those things, part of staying in shape, part of staying healthy is self-control. It's not necessarily what we refrain from. Or that we don't do, because that's often what we list as, as Christians. We have a list of, of things we don't do because they're they're not what in God's commands. But many times with that list, we skip over the things that God is calling us to do. To do ministry. That's a lie. Think of Abraham and Isaac for just a moment. That keeps running around in my mind. Abraham was a friend of God. is what the word tells us. He was doing everything he was supposed to do. God tested him by telling him to sacrifice Isaac. Now, think about self-control in this manner and form. Think about how you would have to prepare yourself to take your first and your Son given to you in a very old age. I know he had Ishmael, but uh, Isaac was the gift of God that he gave uh, him and Sarah. Now he's told that you need to go to the Mount, I think it was Mount Horeb, if I remember right, place the boy on an altar and sacrifice him to me. Now, who in here has that kind of self-control to do that, to move forward? Probably very few of us. I often say it depends what day it is. I might, you know, uh, how kids have been. It might be easier on some days than other. It'd be like, you just want one or you want two? Because okay, I got them. Yeah. But, but in, in seriousness, think of that. He didn't make, he had done nothing wrong. There was no lack. He, he, he had God's favor upon him. God asked him to, to take one step further. Sacrifice your son. As we know, he didn't have to sacrifice him, but God was testing him to know that he loved his God, that he would be faithful to his God. Self-control often takes the form of being able to do what God is calling us to do. And this is where a lot of us struggle. Because God doesn't generally call us to do easy things. Amen? Generally, if it's easy, and we can perform it ourselves, It's most likely not God. Because God does things in a manner so that he receives the glory for it. Because when he receives the glory, it draws men to him. And that way, men and women, and when I say men, I mean mankind, humanity. Um, But when he receives the glory, people don't come to church on a Wednesday night and pray because we're getting things right, the 10 or 12 of us here. We don't the, the spirit. We, we had a wonderful service this Wednesday, and you can show up after work. There's I show up. I been do I do some of my summer stuff helping the boys out. I show up and um, I'm not as nearly as smelling as well as I do right now, and as well kept. You know, my hair might be out of place, but um, but we show up and it doesn't matter because we're here for the express purpose. I point here because this is the side we come. We show up to pray for the concerns of the church and pray for the Sunday service. That's a big reason why the Spirit is so rich and thick in here. It's because we're asking God for it in advance. And he visits us on Wednesday night. But Because, in, in, is it easy to make an excuse not to be here on Wednesday night? Very easy. At times, I miss. Mine are usually pretty good excuses because I like Wednesday night and I come. Maybe they shouldn't call it excuses. I, have, I get called away for stuff, and there's a couple three or four people that run it if I 'm gone, but I miss it when I 'm not there, because I know God's going to move out of that meeting. that 's where he's moving at, and where prayers are being answered. But for us, and I really this wasn't in my notes, and I 'm not, I'm not trying to sell you on Wednesday night that, that I want the Holy Spirit to do that. You should come. I'll just tell you as your pastor. You want things to happen in your life you should be here praying about showing god that you're serious about it but if you don't want to i know people say well i can pray at home pastor yeah i understand all that i do that too but there's something about a corporate prayer god's people coming together and for the express purpose of of change that's what we're here we're praying to change things but it takes self-control when the clock hits six and you're busy doing something and you know that 7 o'clock is coming that the prayers meeting is going to start and I'm just using this or Sunday morning you know at 10.30 I'm, we're going to be in here worshiping God and how easy it is not to come to either one of those things it's fairly easy to convince ourselves that, well this is the only day I can sleep in or, or this is my day off or, or whatever and, I, and I'm like I'm not trying to beat you up right now, but if the Holy Spirit is doing that, then you better listen to him. But it takes self-control to say, all right, it's six, got to get cleaned up and go to prayer meeting." That's part of being a Christian is being able... In Romans, it says, uh, Paul is telling us in Romans 12, he says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. When we think about that, it takes self-control to offer ourselves as God. That's not a one-time thing. That's a daily thing. When we wake up in the morning, we should be offering us, God, wherever you need me today, whoever you put in front of me today, show me who I should speak to, who I should witness to. And it's not always just the word preaching the word to them or telling them something. It might simply be giving somebody a hug that needs a hug. Because there's not a lot of love in this world, to be honest with you. There's a lot of hate, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of carrying on. There's not a lot of people giving out free hugs, amen? It might be just simply opening the door so that somebody, being polite to a person, doing a random act of kindness, but being self-controlled enough to ask yourself in the morning, ask God in the morning, put somebody in front of me. I ask that all the time because once you get... A, a, a part of this, and I'm just telling you because I'm not trying to boast. Um, I'm just telling you what God has done in my heart. It's much more exciting to me to have people around to minister to than to be sitting in my office with nothing to do but write sermons and preach the same old stuff every week that's falling on deaf ears, which I don't preach the same stuff every week. As a matter of fact, I've never preached the same sermon twice yet. So, and even when I tried, they were different. Uh, but it, that self, it's exciting to me. God blesses me for being controlled in that manner. He places people in front of you that you can share your life with, that you could share Christ with, that, that he can grow. But it takes a self-control. I guess you could look at it from a, a standpoint of a positive self-control and maybe a negative self-control. The negative being all the things we should and do refrain from. But that should not be the first thing when people ask us, you know, what do you believe in? What denomination are you And this and that? Well, we don't do this. We don't do that, 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 that. We, we believe, what I tell people is that we believe the Bible was written and we believe what it says the way it says it. We don't add or subtract. It's a very simplistic mindset that we approach it in. Uh, free Methodism, it, when people ask about that, uh, the Methodist part of that is methodical. where that come out. John Wesley uh, uh, was very methodical in the way that he did things. He had a routine. He was disciplined, very disciplined. I forget, what it, he like prayed like four hours every morning or something. It was, it was a huge, he got up very early, prayed every morning before he went out. And then it was his, he was very, um, huh 4 a.m. in the morning to pray for three or four hours before he went out. He was very self-controlled in that. Now I'm not even getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to pray. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to look for something in the fridge and I, may say, <laughs> I might say God please don't let this disturb the rest of my night's sleep and then I probably eat something that I shouldn't eat. But, and I'm not making fun of, of Wesley. He's a, something to shoot for because uh, uh, he was very, um, very in tune to God and, and, and uh, just the way they did their Bible studies, the way they did things. They had a method the, uh, which obviously worked out pretty well because now we have a free Methodist church that is worldwide doing a lot of ministry. But you say, well, Pastor, how, how do I get here? You know, this sounds great, but, you know, I, maybe I'm new. Maybe I've never been this in depth. Maybe I don't understand what you're talking about. If you go to Peter and you look, Second Peter 1, uh 2 Peter 1, verses three through eight from the scripture we read this morning. I have a couple places in here emboldened. And the first is uh, the third verse, the first verse of our passage this morning. And it says, Peter says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. When I read that statement, let me read that again. His being God, being the Holy Spirit, being Jesus, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. Let me back up just a bit here. We're talking about self control as a Christian, as a believer as a follower of God as God's people self-control what when when we begin to grasp that or get a handle on it it begins to take root in our life and we begin to grow and mature and because self-control this is huge if if you want to grow then you have to be self-controlled if you want to mature as a Christian you have to have a, a, a self-control. You have to will yourself. God will do it, help you with his spirit. But in your heart and in your flesh, you've got to will yourself to be in the places in the word, in prayer, in study, in church, wherever, in service. I will tell you this. Um, one of the greatest places you will learn and grow closer to God and mature is in service to God. Doing what he's calling you to do. You won't grow too much as sitting in the pew every week. That's great that you're here. I love you. Stay in the pew. Bring some more people because we got empty spots. But you won't grow and become. I want to be, personally, I want to be dynamic for God. I want to be effective for God, productive for God. Not because I want to tell everybody about it. Because I love the way it feels. I've talked to... uh, Some of my mentors and people around, is it wrong for me? It's almost a euphoric high to, to, to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I long for that. I used to travel and preach in churches where the, and once I would run into places where the Holy Spirit hadn't been there. He might, I know God is everywhere, but he hadn't bothered to come in and sit down in a long time. And I don't know how people survived in that church. We have churches like that i want to have a dynamic personality that reaches people for the kingdom because i like the blessing that god places in my life i like the feeling of being uh, poured over by the holy spirit i like it when i get up and there's tears running down my face because god has overpowered me and overwhelmed me to see that i like it to be able to the bible talks about give them ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying and doing within the church I like to be able to see that and you can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit you can only come under the sway of the Holy Spirit if you're self-controlled and you're vigilant towards what you do to uh, receive, to grow and to mature Many, as Paul talks about in, in the Bible many are stuck on the milk of the word and never get to the meat of the word that's why we have ineffective churches. That's why our lives, don't you want and this is a question for each individual, don't you want a dynamic, productive life for the kingdom of God? Wouldn't think about you think about this because I think we, we lose some in our, uh, our thought. Was it Paul and Peter? I think Paul, it was, I know it was Paul. I can't remember who was with Paul. It might have been Peter. But even the very, he would stick his hand in to get wood. Get bit by a venomous snake. That should have killed him dead. I know that was Paul. I would, uh, pulls it out, doesn't die. People look at him like he's protected by God. He has a dynamic. He, God, it was Peter's shadow, wasn't it? When he walked by, people would get healed because there's shadow. Paul's uh, would pray over handkerchiefs, much like the prayer quilts that we do. We have testimonies of the prayer quilt. I equate that to Peter's handkerchiefs that he used. To, he would pray over, they would give them to people. People would get healed. I don't think we're like a lot of the late night televangelists that are asking 1995 for their prayer uh, cloth or holy water, but I believe that we are authentic. I was in surgery, I wasn't in surgery, but I was with Rick and Nicole this week while Rick um, had his third uh, surgery on his back, and that's a, Rick and Nicole Lake. They were here. We prayed for him. They're from the old church, or the Living Promise. Um, that prayer quilt goes with him. This is his third back surgery. This young man is 36 years old. will probably end up paralyzed unless God heals him because of the back disease. Every time he goes in, uh, it's because he's tipping forward, and... More of his vertebrae, I guess, basically shatter. I I don't really understand it. And They have to go in and clean it up. They get him straight again. He's got like one surgery left, and then the next one, they'll open him from top to bottom, lay everything out, and have to go in from the back to the front to work. Maybe he won't be paralyzed. Maybe. He carries um, that bear quilt. Every time he goes. He goes in covered up in it, and he comes out covered up in it. I did tell him that you ladies would fix it because he's worn a couple of the corners off. So I'll be bringing one for repair. But he's diligent. He's self-controlled. He believes in prayer. And he's got a tremendous attitude for a 36-year-old man that might end up paralyzed before he's 40. He trusts God. When I read in Peter, it says his divine power has given us everything. The Bible tells me in here that Jesus, Jesus tells me in his words in red, as he talked to his disciples. We are disciples, by the way. He says to them, greater things than I do will you do. Because we're indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of this stuff is hard for us to believe. It's hard to comprehend. But that's because we think with a a physical, fleshly mind. We have to think in the spiritual realm of things. We see healings all the time. Wednesday night, we see people get healed. Those prayer quotes, Donna stood up last week, talked about a lady going in to get uh, ready for cancer treatments. I've seen this two or three times. At Living Promise we had one. She was actually going in to get her first chemo treatment. And you have the port put in. They went in and they had the set of x-rays here that showed she was full of cancer. When she came out and she went in to get that port, she was clear of cancer. Nothing. Donna testified to that. Now we can, as human beings, and in our fleshly mind, uncontrolled fleshly minds, we can convince ourselves that, well, maybe that was a mistake, or maybe something else happened. That's what what sometimes happens. In here, I believe we're pretty good. We see enough healings and stuff that we understand this is God at work. But it's because of the self-control to pray for people. Prayers can't get answered unless they're prayed. Have you ever thought of that? We wonder, well, why is my life such a shambles? What's going on here? Have you prayed about it? I, I get this one often, and I want to dispel it. Well, I don't feel right about praying for myself, Pastor. I tell, I've actually said this in a nice way. Well, that's kind of dumb. And they look at me, because I, I want their attention. That usually gets it when I say something like that. What do you mean? I'm like, you should be the first person you should pray for. Well, I just don't feel right. That's kind of selfish. I said, you won't be any good to the world or to God in harvest unless he's anointing you to be out there. You need him to cleanse you. You need him to fill you. You need him to teach you. You need to, to be in there. You need to pray. God, this is not really easy for me. I would like to rather sleep in on a Sunday morning or make an excuse on a Wednesday or Thursday. We got something every night. If you can't make it to Wednesday night, call me. I'll find you a spot. We got so many small groups going. It's, it's You can't Miss somewhere I can fit one in on here. So but we should be we should be self-controlled. I'm not talking about going in and asking for Mercedes Benz and a bigger house or whatever, new Harley or or new guns or boat, whatever that I'm talking about God use me type of a prayer. God cleanse me type of a prayer. I pray big prayers because I want to see big things. Don't I want it increases my faith. When I got here to pastor, I began, and then when I took uh, Finland, when I got here, I began to go drive around the school and pray the prayer of Jabez. I think that's Chronicles 9, if I'm not mistaken. And it talks about Jabez found honor in God's sight. And he asked for uh, four things. I probably can't remember them all right now. Um, he asked for more territory. He asked that... Uh, he might not sin and do any, do any harm to other people. I know I'm missing one right now. I didn't study this one. But uh, the one that I pray is I, I drive through school and I say, God, I want this school for you, for your kingdom. I want these kids. I want it to affect this place. I drive through trailer, mobile home parks, excuse me, mobile home parks. God, I would like this too, for your glory, for your honor, for the souls of these people. I drive in the one down on 59. Then I go out and pray in the parking lot. I took a while to do that when I don't know why that took so long to dawn on me. I did it at Fenton, went through each parking space, dropped a couple drops of of anointing oil, and prayed. And there's another self-control thing that was easy for me. You know how people look at you when you're out in the parking lot praying in the middle of the day, dropping oil in each parking spot, moving and praying and praying and praying. They're used to me up there now, but the uh, or when God called me to to I marched around the church barefoot in the middle of winter time. That gets some looks, but I don't care. Don't worry. Generally, when you're barefoot in like 10-degree weather marching around praying, they don't usually stop you to talk to you because you might end up... They're like, this dude is whack. Maybe we'll call the insane asylum and send him out. But when you do that... But that takes self-control. I didn't want to do that stuff. I'm like, let me say... I'm like, God, are you sure? Because I'm going to look kind of goofy right here in the middle of town doing all this. But he said, this is what I want. And it worked. That place is filled with people. We have favor in the city. The people in the surrounding communities that I drove through and prayed for are coming. People are getting saved. Teenagers now have a meeting in there. And it's growing. We're already, they've been there three weeks. And we're growing, having to clean out a new room because it's growing that big. And get the one room with the divider open. We have Aller Teen. Teens come with their parents. And downstairs, they're learning that your parents don't hate you. They're not crazy. They have a disease, and this is why you don't want to step into this disease. God is growing that ministry up there. He's growing this ministry. I wondered how many people we would have in here today because of the week that we're in. We, we, I'm very surprised when we have everybody in here. We have a church full. God is doing the work because we are being self-controlled and seeking his face. We are doing forward thinking of, of positive self-control. And he gives us, we wonder back to that praying for ourselves, he says right here, he'll give us everything we need. But to receive, you've got to ask. Why don't we ask? I might be afraid of what people think. Who cares what people think? On the outside, unless I say that tongue-in-cheek, we want them to think, man, I want what they have. That's what we want them to think. They may think, that dude's crazy out there praying, walking around. That part, I don't care no more. I mean a little crazy, it helps at times. You go down through there, and the next thing... And here's the thing, in chapter, verse 4 of that same scripture, it says, so that you may participate in the divine nature. Once again, I don't see Peter saying, maybe if you feel like it, or if, you, if you would like, it'd be nice if you could participate in the divine nature. What is the divine nature? I believe the minute you... We are already a part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, we pray the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. Or on earth as it is in heaven. That signifies the kingdom of God is existent on earth. We are a part of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We are God's people here on earth. We are. Maybe you could look at us like a, like a battalion of soldiers left here, go and evangelize the world, so to speak. And when we're done with this whole campaign thing, and I come back to receive the church, I'll take you home to heaven. We don't really belong to this world no more. Once we receive Christ, we belong in the kingdom of heaven. And we become a part of that. We become a soldier in the kingdom of God's army. But we live like, well, I've just got a reservation to heaven. If you got a reservation, you're not thinking right. You have a place in heaven. There is a spiritual kingdom here on earth that we are working and building so that when we get to heaven, all those mansions Jesus went to prepare for us have occupancy, I want residents in them. Occupants, occupants. I don't see this... As a question, how many people want to participate in the divine nature of things of God? Every hand should be up, I'll tell you. That's just the way that works. You should have two up. Isn't that where you want to live? In God's presence? If you're not living or wanting to live in the divine nature, be a part of what God is doing, turn on the news. I'll admit, I don't know a lot about what's going on because I haven't watched the news much in the last year. It does help to be current. I don't know much about the earthquake. I don't know. Somebody told me there was a shooting. I just haven't watched the news because I got fed up with it, with all the, when they were kicking men off the shows and all that. I just like, this is beyond what I need to see. I don't care. I'm in God's kingdom. That's what I'm going to work towards. Whatever's going on it's going on. So, for if you possess these qualities, the final verse, in increasing measure, don't just get them once and that's it. They grow. I don't care how long you've been sitting in this church or a church anywhere, there's still room to grow. God is always teaching us. I get to do and be a part of some pretty cool things. And I will be very honest with you, the more faith that he instills, to, to the, the, the faith, my faith has grown tenfold, maybe a hundredfold since I came back to this church and, and did the things that God is asking us to do and led us to do. Um, and the more I grow, the more I understand how big God is, how much more there is. The more I grow and mature, the more I realize, well, I don't really know that much because he's pretty, pretty awesome. He's got things that he still blindsides me once in a while. Like, and I didn't see that coming. That was pretty cool. The more you think you know when you really know something, the more you understand how sovereign and holy God is. That scripture that Don read when they were singing out of Revelations, that's one of my favorite scriptures. Even the angels, even these beings, and I'm not going to go into the representation of what all that means, but they are holy beings. Even these guys, when they get to heaven, angels, beings, God, far beyond our, our, what our mind can comprehend, are bowing and calling out, holy, holy, holy to God. Imagine, and they see the other side. They're in the throne room. We're still here. Imagine what's left for us to discover no matter how far we've grown, to what we can see, there are no limits to God. God has no limits. I'm going to close with this scripture the music team can come forward. I'm still on that last verse. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord. That's growing in your wisdom and knowledge of the Word and our God, but it's also being a part. This passage right here, Matthew 9, 35-38, it says, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the field. When I read this, this tells me that there's not a shortage of people that want to receive Christ. This tells me that we shouldn't have empty seats. This tells me that our work is not done. It tells me that not enough of us are doing the work of the harvest. You may think, and I know sometimes you think, well, Pastor, you know, it's not easy for me to talk to me, not this or that. The harvest takes place. I'll tell you one of the greatest things I've seen in here that has blessed me is our softball team. Well, that's a softball team. Yeah, but it's Jane and Dale getting people through the power of God, getting people to get around church people to be a part of something that they wouldn't normally. That's ministry taking place. We pray. I, get, I was able to get to two or three games. They asked me to pray. That's something they probably don't do. I know they pray when I'm not there. That's something, there's a camaraderie that we pray about those things. There's the Holy Spirit's working in there. Last week was a, tr- a tremendous service for them to experience. Tremendous service. And I didn't even speak much. A little bit at the end. But God used Ty to speak to them. I heard when I went back to the, to the back, I was, well, what a beautiful service that was. We go here, but man, we've never seen anything like that. And I said, well, I don't take people from other churches, but if you, we're always open at 10.30 on Sunday, you're welcome to stop by anytime you want. But there, you say, well, where are they are, We planted seeds. They planted seeds. That's a harvest down the road. We all have something to do. The harvest is plentiful. And here's the thing. If you keep planting seeds, I've had the opportunity with what I do to plant a lot of seeds. So eventually the harvest begins to come. You're either planting, you might be cultivating, you might be watering, you might be doing this, but the harvest begins to come. And we are seeing a tremendous harvest right now. As what I was out with superintendent, I told him there's 150 to 200 people somewhere in there. It's hard to track going through that program a week. I said, we have new people nearly every week in our church. And I said, they don't all stay, but they come through Summer They're starting to stay. Things are changing. It's going well. And that is the harvest because of the work that we did previous to that. Not just me, all of us. Was we we, we had to withstand some stuff. We had to get through some things. We had to do some work. We had to do some, a lot of praying. We had, to do, uh, uh, we had to just cry out to God to make something happen. And he began to do that. And I believe we're only at the front of what he's beginning to do. We're just getting started. The harvest... It's plentiful. The workers are few. I close with this thought. I, one of the reasons, another re- I do get blessed. I love being filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's the other thing. I want my family to be in heaven when I get there. Or hopefully, if it goes like it's supposed to, which I know it always doesn't, hopefully I'll be there when they get there and not them before me. But that's I've already lost brothers that are younger than me, that'll be there. But regardless, however the order goes, and I believe that if we are willing to minister to whoever God puts in front of us, that he'll take care of ours. It's hard to minister in your own home, in your own hometown. It says that. But I can't overlook anybody because I know... Where my kids are at, where some of my family members are at, and they would be easily overlooked. They would be looked at as like, oh no, I don't want to deal with that. But that's why I say, okay, bring them in. I'll deal with whatever. A lot of times, self-control means we walk into very messy situations that aren't fun. But they need there's no many times in that I can tell you. There's no control at all, self, good, or bad. They need to see someone self-controlled, vigilant, filled with the Spirit. I believe if we will step into those places, God will take care and honor us and speak, send the right person to speak to our kid, our husband or our wife, mom or dad, whoever. That's a part of the self-control. Be a part of the harvest. Be self-controlled. Understand as you go. Well, let's stand and sing. Get us out on time today. I want you, this is the thought I want you to leave with today. Self-control is not just what we don't do. Because that's usually what we're thinking. Oh self-control. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't chew. I don't go with girls that do. Self-control also is a forward thinking. God has called me to do this. Noah. Noah was saved from the, out of the flood, eight people. Think about Noah's self-control to build that ark for 120 years. Think about what his neighbors We're thinking as they went by here's this nut job building this old it hasn't rained here in 50 years think about shadrach meshach and abednego now we could just bow down to that statue of gold that nebuchadnezzar made and we could get out of here clean and you know nobody's gonna know they were self-controlled oh no king nebuchadnezzar we're not gonna bow down god may not deliver us from the fire we may give our lives but he will us from your hand joseph sold from his brothers into slavery never whined never cried kept moving forward with self-control he's the reason we're here today one of the big reasons because israel did not die in that famine because god put him in places that were pretty unpleasant slavery, jail, prison, this and that, to get to the place where he's the most powerful man next to Pharaoh so that he can feed the children of Israel. Self-control is moving forward. Last one, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. At any time, he could have called the legions of angels, said, nah, they're not worth it. I'm not doing it. It's too much. It's going to go on for 2,000 years. They're going to doubt me even then. Not doing it. Self-control sent him. He controlled his destiny inside of him, and he went to the cross. He said, they're worth it. I'll do it. Even if only one of them realizes they're worth it, I'll do it. Think about that. pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this message that you've given us today. I thank you for this entire series as we have took time and examined each of the characteristics that are the fruit of the Spirit, the work that you're doing inside of us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that as we understand these right now today, as we finish this series, Father, I pray that we understand that these are continuing to grow in ever-increasing measure in us. Our self-control becomes more and more. We see that when we read about a person such as Paul in the Bible, from where he came from on his Damascus Road experience to where he ended up as he gave his life up, crucified upside down because he thought it not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord. His self-control, his diligence to, to seek your face, all of the disciples, Father, I pray that you help me to be even more diligent, even more self-controlled, to strive to to be more Christ-like. Father, and I pray that for each of us. Lord, I pray that we understand that, as it says in your word, I think Ty said this last week, that the burden and the yoke are light and easy. But that's because Jesus is living inside of us and he becomes our joy the fruit for him becomes pleasing to us as well it causes us to examine ourselves are we participating in your divine nature or are we just sitting around the edges on the fringe watching things happen Lord I pray that by the power of your spirit you place it on our hearts that we understand how much more blessed it is to be in the center of your will participating in that divine nature being a part of the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God being God's people here on earth Sharing the message of love and grace that Christ brought to us on the cross we do not have to wait to go to heaven we can be a part of it here on earth if we so desire keep us safe this week father as we celebrate our independence father I pray right now I, I thank you for all the men and women who have fought and died to allow us to stay free or to be this great country I thank you for our first responders that keep us safe, our police, firemen, Lord, everybody that takes a part in making this country safe and, and such a blessing, Father, to live in. Keep everybody safe as they travel to and fro, and have your hand upon us until we meet next week, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.